Our culture loves love. I mean, we love love. We sing about love. We write about love. We have plays about love. We have movies about love. We love love. We love everything about love. I mean, we, we talk about love. We, we, we talk about... Go to any store on December the 26th through February the 14th. You know we love love. Everything is red and pink and white. It looks like doilies everywhere. We just love love. But what's interesting when you think about it is so much, not all, but so much of what our culture talks about when it thinks about love is either just sentiment or is more the, the romantic type of love. And that's fine to an extent. That's a good thing to an extent. In fact, the Bible puts a value on both of those things. On simply expressing love as a sentiment, as a feeling, and also on romantic love. So it's not bad that we think about it that way, but the problem is our culture so often does not ever want to go deeper. It never wants to examine love at a, at a much deeper level and really think about love as the Bible describes it to us. I want to look at a passage of Scripture tonight that may not be where you think of when you think of love. And I'm going to use two words that are going to scare some of you who know your Bible really, really well. Psalm 119. Now, if you know your Bible really well, you're thinking, why didn't we bring breakfast? Because Psalm 119 is the longest poem, the longest chapter, if you please, in the entire Bible. 176 verses this poem contains. Don't worry, we're not going to study them all. Different scholars differ as to who they believe was the inspired writer of this poem. Most believe it's David. I agree with them. But there's some good arguments we made. Some believe that Ezra wrote this poem. There's some good arguments for that as well. I'm telling you that just to say that going throughout the lesson tonight, I'm going to use David as the author. If you want to disagree with that, that's fine. There's nothing in the poem that says David wrote this or Ezra wrote, wrote it or whatever. We're going to use David's name as we go through it. But this poem, besides the length of it, which is what most people think of as just a fact about this poem, what makes it stand out is that David writes for all of this time about the Word of God and about a connection with the Word of God. Maybe that's shown most clearly in verse 11 where he said, I have stored up your Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. But for our thoughts tonight, we're going to look at just one section of this poem. In fact, really one section and one verse that talk about a love for the Word of God. If you have your Bibles to Psalm 119, you may have to flip a page or two because it's so long. But turn all the way over to verse 97. And we're going to read with you verse 97 through verse 105. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Throughout Psalm 119, as you may remember, David uses a lot of different descriptions for the Word of God. He'll, he'll describe it as commandments, word, testimonies, statutes, and a lot of other things. 
But I think it's interesting that in that verse that began our reading in verse 97, that as he thinks about how he loves something, he uses God's law. Oh, how I love your law. A lot of people say they love the Bible, but they turn around and start arguing with the laws that the Bible contains. And what I want to do tonight is look most of our time at verse 97. In fact, I want to make three observations just from verse 97 itself. And the reason we went ahead and read the next few verses is because based upon an understanding of verse 97, I want us to see that the following verses give us some thoughts of application for how that verse can, if you please, play out in our lives. What a difference it makes. Observation number one about verse 97 is the object of our love. Obviously, you read the verse, it's the law of God. The word law there is that that well-known Hebrew word Torah or Torah, a word that is often used by Jews even today to describe the first five books of the Old Testament. It is the law or the Torah. That word can be translated a lot of different ways. It can also be translated as instruction or direction. But those other definitions all have their basis in a law or in a standard. We can't gain true direction. We can't have true instruction without a real objective standard that we are to follow. Now, it needs to be said that the law that David was writing about in Psalm 119 is not the law that you and I are under today. We're not under the Old Testament law. Jesus, in fulfilling the law and taking it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 13 says that Jesus made that first covenant obsolete. And so, there are some who claim, well, we're no, we no longer really have any law to follow. Since the Old Testament is so well known for being filled with law after law after law, law a lot of those thou shalts and thou shalt nots, and since that law has been taken out of the way, basically a lot of people, maybe they don't say it, but they kind of believe it, that we're just kind of free to follow God however we want to, and God will be pleased by that. And they'll also add to that that we're living under a time of grace. A time of mercy, not a time of law and judgment. But John 1.17 tells us the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Yes, grace was shown to us in an amazing way through Jesus, but John, right at the beginning of that account of the Gospel, says so was truth. Truth implies objectivity. Something that can be known. It implies a standard. We're not under the same law as the writer of Psalm 119, but we are still under law. That is the law of Christ. And so, while the love that we have may be for a different law, that is the New Testament law, we need to cultivate a true love for the law of God. But that's not always easy to do, is it? Because what that means is, I have to cultivate a love for something that's going to tell me no sometimes. That's going to say you can't do something you might want to do. Or you need to do something you might not want to do. When we live under the New Testament, there are still commands to be obeyed. You read the New Testament carefully, there are still many, many times where God says yes to some things, and there are still many, many times where God says no to some things. To use an older way of saying it, it may not be worded the exact same way, but the New Testament has plenty of thou shouts and thou shalt nots. Things we are to do and things we are not to do. And for a lot of people, they don't like that concept. We don't like restraints, or at least we don't act like we like them. If someone tells us no, it kind of raises our blood pressure just a little bit. 
But we should love the law of God because He does not just know what is better for us. We should love the law of God because He knows what is ultimately good for each one of us. Not just something that's better, but what is the ultimate good. Now obviously, God knows how we can reach heaven and enjoy that eternal home when this life is over. But God also knows how we can achieve true joy and peace here in this life. Have you ever just tried to stop for a few moments? And it's, it's really one of those impossible tasks, but it's worth trying anyway. Have you ever paused for a few moments and just tried to think, what would this world be like if everyone simply followed the law of God? How much more joy would this world have in it? How much more peace would this world have in it? It's really impossible to think about. But it's because God knows us so well that He lays that law down for us. And it should make us long for that world, heaven, where that is the way it will be. Where God will truly be the center of everything. We need to make sure that, that the object of our love, as far as this verse goes, is the law of God. But the verse also speaks of the degree of our love. Those words that open Psalm 119, verse 97, they may be very, very simple words, but they're the expression of a heart that's just overflowing with emotion. Oh, how I love your law. Those little words, oh and how, may be very simple, but they express so much. The scholars who bring us the Bible into English use those very, very short words to express to us the, the depth or the degree that our love should have for the law of God. And it really should just make us wonder, do I really love God's Word? Do I really listen to what it says? When we think about a relationship, maybe between a husband and wife, or between parents and their children, or grandparents and their grandchildren. There's a lot of ways to express love and to do those things. But one of the ways is, is to listen. To really hear what someone is saying. Even between dear friends, we know that to be the case. If we understand that to be true in just our physical and family relationships, is it not also true that one of the ways I show that I love the, the, the Word of God, the law of God, is to actually listen to it. To actually try to understand and grasp what's being said through His Word. He makes it easy in that He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, we don't have to listen for something else. He's given us everything we need to hear through His Word. I hope you have your Bible open to Psalm 119. Because what I want to do is not walk through the whole poem, don't worry. But I want you to see that this theme of an emotion or connection is found throughout this poem many, many times. Just glance through a few verses. Flip back to verse 10. David said there, with my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Look at verse 11 again. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Verse 24, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Verse 31 contains the phrase, I cling to your testimonies. Verse 40 contains the phrase, I long for your precepts. Verse 54, your statutes have been my songs. And folks, we could go on 
and on and on, just skipping around 176 verses and see phrases and verses that use the same type of language over and over again with an appreciation for, a longing for, a desire for the Word of God. But that's enough verses and phrases for me to simply turn around and ask myself, is that my heart? Is my heart reflected toward the Word of God in phrases like that? That I really delight in it, desire it, long for it. The way to really show that is how much time do I spend listening to it? Reading it, if you will. How much time do I spend taking it in? My goal, our goal, should be to have a degree of love for the will and the Word of God that's similar to that of Job. In Job 23 and verse 12, he said, I have not departed from the commandment of His lips. I have treasured the words of His mouth more than my portion of food. That is a powerful statement. If I may put it in 2023 American English, I would rather hear from God than eat. That's basically what Job was saying. That's how much he wanted to, to, to know the Word of God. When it comes to reading and studying the Bible, do I see it as a chore? Do I see it as something that's just to check off a to-do list? Or is it a, del a delight because there's a degree of love for what I'm trying to know and the God I'm trying to know through a study of the Word of God? But a third observation from that single verse is the evidence of our love. We've touched on this a little going through it, but I want to dig into the thought of how David the poet completes the thought. In our verse, he shares that the evidence of his love for the law of God is seen in, it is my meditation all the day. Now that word meditation in our modern world sort of carries a lot of baggage in the religious world because of what some people call Eastern religions or New Age religions. We get this picture sometimes of maybe clearing our mind and just letting whatever thoughts happen to pop into our mind take us to some mystical place. Or we get a picture of someone just chanting meaningless phrases over and over again as a way to empty themselves. That's not at all what's meant by that word when you read it in your Old Testament. As you can see on the screens, the word that's translated meditation can carry with the idea of a reflection or a prayer or a devotion. It's, it's a word of thought. It's as if the poet is saying, my mind is thinking on, reflecting on your law all day long. That's the picture we should have in our mind. There's a constant reflection going on throughout the day on what the law of God says. There's a constant prayer, if you please, that we'll remember and be faithful to the law of God. There's a devotion to the law of God that's lovely and it's close. David's not. If David wrote the poem, he's not saying that he never thought of anything else. Of course, in the day-to-day -day of life, we think of all sorts of things. Some of them very important, some of them very unimportant, some mundane, some very thrilling. That's natural, and it's necessary for survival. If David's the poet, we don't know when in his life he wrote this very, very long poem. But we could take any portion of his life and see that he had other things to think about. If he was a shepherd when he wrote this. Just the matters of, of tracking eating patterns and looking out for predators and following the weather and all those sorts of things would have been his thinking constantly. If it was during a time when he was a warrior, maybe he was running from King Saul, there would have been days of trying to find safety and travel plans for him and his, for, his, for his companions to make sure that they survived as far as food went and all those things. If it was when David was a king, we can only imagine how much stuff was on his mind. Just the enormous amount of responsibilities and information that came his way each day 
and, and the variety of subjects all that would have been on. And so when David writes that the law of God is his meditation all the day, he's not saying from the moment he woke up in the morning until the moment he slept at night that he was reading and quoting Scripture. But what he is saying was that his mind was constantly returning to the Word of God. Whatever else was going on, he ran it through the filter of God's Word. It's as if he lived with all of his thoughts brought under captive of the overarching thought of what has God said about this. How would this glorify God and other things reflected in the law of God? That needs to be how our minds work. Sometimes we'll have days where we have a lot on our minds. Sometimes we'll have days where they're kind of slow. I wish I had more of those sometimes, but there's just not a whole lot on our minds. Sometimes we have things that are very sort of boring, and sometimes we have things that are very thrilling. That's all fine. But what's the filter through which we look at all of those things? It should constantly be going back to a reflection of the Word of God and a devotion to trying to make sure that all that we do, all that we say, and even all that we think is reflective of what God says. Now that's verse 97. With that verse in mind, let's ask this question by way of application. What difference does it make? What's the difference all this makes? As we try to make this practical for our life, let's just think about the next few verses. We're not going to take them anywhere near as much detail as we took that verse. But the reason we read the following verses is because what the poet does is follow up that if I'm meditating on the Word of God and loving the Word of God that much, here are some things that's going to change or make a difference in my life. The first is perspective. Verses 98 through 100 and verse 104 also talk about the concepts of wisdom and understanding. Both those things have to do with having a proper perspective. Look at them again. Verse 98. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. Glance down at verse 104. Through your precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. When we begin to drink deeply from the Word of God, and we begin to seek the heart of God through Scripture, when it's constantly in our hearts, and when it's constantly filling our minds and our thinking, we begin to have a perspective of true wisdom in our lives. Now we'll still make mistakes at times because we're people, and we don't always take that wisdom but we'll recognize those mistakes and want to conform our ways to how God has shown us through His Word to live. When we meditate on God's Word, it changes our perspective, but it also makes a difference in our purity. Hopefully, one reason we follow God is to be pure so that we're prepared for eternity. We do not know what is truly right and truly wrong until we search the Scriptures and follow what God has revealed about those matters. Remember, even the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, I wouldn't have known what it meant to covet if the law had not said, thou shalt not covet. He's basically saying, I wouldn't have got that. I wouldn't have understood that if God hadn't revealed that to me. And so, in our poem, verses 101-103 through 103 deal with purity. Notice what the poet said. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How do we stay pure? Do we just trust our conscience? 
Well, conscience is a good thing so long as it's properly trained by the Word of God. I can't just trust my conscience. Do I just look at society around me and go with the flow of that? Well, to ask that question is to answer it, right? Because society is going completely away from, from God. Do I even look at someone who's a teacher and say, I'll just follow that teacher? Only so far as they follow the Word of God. The only way to be pure, the only way to know if every decision, every thought, every action, every motivation is pure and right is to run it through, am I following what God says on the matter? And then also, it makes a difference in my path. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 105. If I want to know how to make it through this life, especially knowing how evil this life is, how dark this life is, the only answer of how to do that is to seek the light of the Word of God. If you ask the general question, how do I know what I'm supposed to do in life? The number one answer is, look at what God has already said about how to live this life through His Word. He may not tell us in the Bible what job to take, or what house to buy, or what city to live in, but He will give us wisdom to make those day-to-day -day decisions and He'll make certain through His Word, if we'll follow it, that we know the moral decisions to make so that we are living right and in His wisdom. It is a path for everything in our life. Our culture loves love. But tonight I hope I've encouraged all of us to have a deeper love for something more than we usually sing about, have plays about, books about, movies about, but something that God has given to us Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation all the day. When I truly love the Word of God, the law of God, what I'm really doing is saying, I truly love God. Because that's how He has revealed Himself most clearly. I can love God in a certain way, by going out into nature and looking at the stars. Or, as many of you talk about how beautiful today has been. The sunshine and the slight breeze and it not being 26 below zero. Not raining. How beautiful it's been. And some people look at days like this and they say, I feel somewhat closer to God. And I love God more, if you please. Or I can feel like I love God more in certain weather or certain beauty of nature. And that's fine. That's a good thing. But I can only know if I'm loving God as purely as possible if I love His law. Because He's told us in His law how to love Him. The One who came, John 1.17, to bring grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Would later say in that very same book, if you love me, keep my commandments. It's a New Testament way of telling us to say exactly what David wrote a thousand years earlier. Oh, how I love your law. If you want to love God, love His Word. Follow His Word. And honor Him through His Word. The first step in doing that is admitting that you are not the law. Did you hear that? 
The first step in that is admitting, I'm not the law. No more am I in charge of my life. God, You are. Only then am I willing to look at what Scripture says and say whatever it says, that's what I'm going to do to honor and love and show gratitude to the God of heaven. He has said that we must hear His Word, turn from those things He says are wrong, repent of sins. He has said we must confess His Son. And He has said we must be baptized to have our sins washed away. That's how one is saved, how they become a Christian. And the Lord adds them to His church. If you've never done that, tonight's the night to do it. Most of us have. And if you have, let me just ask you, how's your love for the law of God? Oh, I look at it every once in a while. I like some sermons on some. So I, like, I like a few chapters here and there. There's a few stories I like here and there. No, that's not what I asked. Do you love it all? Do you love it all? Are you seeking to follow it all and put everything else behind to show that love and devotion to the God of heaven? Maybe tonight you're not. And you want us to pray with you, to encourage you, or to ask for forgiveness. Whatever your need is, will you come? Always stand and sing to encourage.